the, the thought that has been on my mind for a while now and what God has had me post is about the Lamb in glory. It speaks about that there would be no need of those things that the Lamb, Jesus Christ, in his pre-incarnate state created. We know that he created them all based upon John 1 and verse 3 and Colossians 1 and verse 16. So those things are not needed. Not that they won't be there, but they won't be needed. And the reason that they won't be needed is that we can enjoy those things. But of course, we can't enjoy them apart from our Creator. And so the reason why it says that they're really, really, I believe that they're not, they're not needed in the sense that only he has met that need. And that, again, is Philippians 4 and verse 19. My God will supply all your need uh, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, it says. So in 21, 23, he said, it says, I saw no temple in it. Because when we look in the Old Testament, there was the tabernacle. The tabernacle was that pitched tent, and they called that, in Leviticus, the first chapter, in those first three verses, they called that the tent of the meeting. That was the place that they were going to meet God. And so that was their journey as they were released and taken out of the captivity of the bondage of Egypt under Pharaoh, Pharaoh a type of Satan, Egypt a type of the world system. Moses was a type of the deliverer who led them out under the leading of God the Holy Spirit, of course, which he was doing and in, in doing only in and through his son, who was that lamb and is that lamb in Revelations 13, 8, that was slain from before anything was created in the eternal mind of God. And that goes into the propitiatory truth about uh, God the Son propitiating his father. And this is brought out in Genesis 22 and verse 8. So here when it says the, ta- it says the tabernacle, that was their whole way through until they got into their promised land where they would set up the temple. Now the first temple, the first temple was destroyed. We know that. The second temple, those were destroyed. And we, many believe that right now in in Jerusalem, all the parts of of the, the temple that are made ready in different places, hidden all throughout uh, Israel, are just waiting for the return of Messiah where they'll be erected. That's the temple. So that's the difference. The temple is where they will worship him. Now for us, what this means in the type, when it says there's no temple here, we realize this in John 1 verse 1, it says in the beginning the word, the word with God and the word was God. And verse 2 says the same the same word, the same was in the beginning with God. But then the word, okay, became flesh, okay, was made flesh. That's what it says. Not the Greek word agoneo, no. Okay, the Son of God always is the Son of God, but he merged with impeccable humanity. He merged with impeccable humanity. 
And we see that in John 1 and verse 14. And the word was made flesh and he dwelt among us. And then it says, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten uh, of the Father. He was filled up with all that grace and truth is. Really, the Greek word says that the, that the, the word, the Son of God, the pre-incarnate Christ, tabernacled himself in humanity. And that's why here, there is no need here, we see, that there's no temple in it. Why? For the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb, are its temple. We see that crystal, crystal clear, or in other words, sanctuary, a place where we dwell. So even the tent of meeting, the, the tent of the meeting, and that's the proper understanding of the Hebrew in, Le, in Leviticus, the first chapter and in in those first three verses. Okay? It was the tent of the meeting. That's where we meet God's presence. And we meet that in and through Jesus Christ. So when it says here, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb, are its temple. And the city has no need. Notice this, no need. Not that they're not going to be there. Why? There's going to be no need of the sun or the moon and the, uh, uh, or the moon to shine in it. Why? Because the Creator outshines everything. We have His outshining. This is brought out, and we will read this, so we have a crystal clear understanding in the Word of God, even in the midst of all what the atmosphere is trying to do today and, and discouraging, but he's not going to, God will not allow that. He won't. And again, I want to make it clear this morning, this is not the fault of any individual. There's, there's not. <laughs> it's, just the, it's just the atmosphere doesn't want it happening. And that's the, that's the clear thing. Now, so here we have Hebrews, the first chapter, in the first verse. This is what it says. God, after he spoke, Long ago to the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken unto us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, obviously created them all. We said in John 1, 1, Colossians 1, 16. Through whom, through whom, and by and through whom he made the world. I like it way better in the King James because it says the world's plural. And he is the radiance of his glory. See what that says? He's the radiance. He spells out as the light of the whole world in John 8, 12, and Psalm 27 and verse 1. That light that wakes us up and discovers whatever is not of itself and that cannot be mixed with itself in Ephesians 5, 13 and 14, where that light comes in and it wakes us up. You see... And, and he is the, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Listen to this. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And that's what Revelation 21, 23 is bringing out. Of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent, a far better and surpassing sovereign name than they. This was brought out in Isaiah 45 and verse 23. This is brought out 
in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. This is brought out in Acts 4 and verse 12, and this is brought out in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5. And this, the scriptures are extremely necessary, and, and thank God that we can ponder them and enter into the preponderance, preponderance, the preponderance, meaning the eternal mind of God expressed to us through Jesus Christ, the word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can preponder these things and begin to meditate on the glory of them. So in Revelations 21 and verse 5, that's why it says, I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb, are its temple, its sanctuary, its place of meeting. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it. Why? For the glory of God has illumined it. Illumined it. And its lamp is the lamb of where the light shines out. Okay? So that brings out very clearly, very, very clearly, the beauty and reality of it. Now, even if we go back, and we know that he's the light, because if you follow, if you and I can follow, in first, even in, in First John, those first four chapters, uh, Four verses of First John in the beginning, it, we this word that they touched and handled and saw and felt, they touched him, meaning he had real humanity. He was the real son of God and real humanity, not the Serinthius lies and the Docetic lies, who both either denied his real humanity or his real deity. Those Gnostics that Paul. And the beloved apostle John constantly fought against the false, evil teaching, so-called teaching of those things. And this is brought out so that we can have that fellowship in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then have it together in verse 4, because this is the message in verse 5 of 1 John 1, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And in John 1, in verse 5, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not overwhelm or overpower it. And what we see this even way back. We see this in John 1, 1 through 5. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. That's eternity. Now let's look at time. You can look at time in Genesis, the first chapter. And we're going to see that, that, that God had created the earth, the pre-incarnate Christ. And then there was an interruption and an angelic conflict, as, we, as we've been taught in the Word in Isaiah 14, 7 to 17, and Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 15 down through to the 19th and 20th verses. The five I wills of Satan, God answering them with his complete five I wills in dealing with him. We see after that that the earth in Genesis 1 and verse 2 was, was void and without form. And God would not create anything that in that particular way because it's talking about something. But in verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be what? Light. Who is the light? It's the creative power of God Almighty through Jesus Christ, His Son, obviously, by the power of the Holy Spirit, never separated as the triune God. And God separated in Genesis 1, 3, and 4. And he separated the light 
from the darkness. This is brought out all the way through these scriptures that are brought out in a very, very beautiful way in Revelations chapter 21 and, and of course, in verse 23. So there we have, and, and there's so much more involved in that, there's so much more involved in that, that I can say fully that is, is beyond what even I know now. But I am still with everyone, with everyone this morning, and whoever hears this, I, I, I truly, humbly want to know more and to feed on this, to be taught this way clearly so that I can be, and we all can be, with that portion that we have in Christ, that treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we can be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, his written epistle with the light of Jesus Christ, the treasure in us shining out, shining out. And again, this goes into Revelation 21, 23 for us as his church, because that the new Jerusalem as some have false, falsely taught and didn't, you know, and, and any of us can make mistakes and be, be easily led astray when we're not dependent. And that was the prayer of Mike about our dependency. We grow in dependency. And as we do, we grow in Christ being glorified and us being blessed and in turn being a blessing for others. But we can be his written epistle, known and read on the hearts of all men. And that we won't, we will function in a clean conscience in Titus 1 and verse 15, and thereby being a witness to every other man's conscience. And as Paul said in Acts 24 and verse 16, because he has, he has literally, positionally cleansed our conscience as far as God is concerned in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, because of the precious blood and poured out life of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12 to 14 into 15. There's no, absolutely no question about those things. And this brings in the purity. And what causes it is, yes, he is the light. He is the light without a question about it. But we all will be his little diamonds. This is brought out in Revelations 2 and verse 17. It's brought out in, in a very, very beautiful, beautiful way. We're going to feast on that hidden manna. When maybe the, maybe the sun wasn't shining and the moon wasn't reflecting it in these types. Because we must remember, we must remember, okay, that the book, the book of Revelations is not an epistle, it's a treatise. That's what it is. And it's bringing out these beautiful truths that, from us, through uh, Christ, by God giving us his Son, and the Holy Spirit taking the things of Christ and showing them unto us, brings in this beautiful reality of the book of Revelations. I, re I remember just sharing this, and I just shared this with, with uh, Jadiel uh, the other morning, and, and, and I, I remember just just briefly putting up, because so many people are confused by the book of Revelations. They're very confused about it. Okay? Now, if you and I are confused, and we can be at times, we can be, but if we are, is God the author of it in 1 Corinthians 14, 33? No. No. 
We have the lamb. The lamb is our life, in Colossians 3, 4. The lamb is our peace, in Ephesians 2, and verse 14. The lamb made our peace with God, to God, and for us, by the blood of his cross, poured out his life, in Colossians 1 and verse 20, and do I believe in the, in the pure, unadulterated blood of Christ without a question about it, without a single question about it, knowing that in Leviticus 17 11, the life of the flesh, the human body is in the blood, and his humanity was impeccable, not liable to sin whatsoever. And thereby we need to know the difference between sin and sins. And that's for another time that we can get into. Sin speaks of nature, and sins are what we do in that nature. So again, we have all this truth in the Lamb. And none of us, that literally, what Revelation 21, 23, we, have, we will enjoy the sun, the moon, the stars, all of God's creation, all of uh, uh, us, in our love, in this exchange of this love life, where nothing again will ever disturb or distract it between us and individuals, and then that will never be disturbed or distracted in our love for every single one of the church of Jesus Christ. But each of us will enjoy it. In Revelations 2 and verse 17, we will enjoy that beauty. We will enjoy it. In Revelation 2 and verse 17, we will feed continually on him. Now, without disturbance, without stint or distraction, we will feast on that hidden manna. Hidden manna literally means it's the intimate, personal experience of that love life that Christ was towards us in 1 John 4.10, here in his love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. And now we love in 1 John 4 and verse 19 because he first loved us, and we see that in Revelation 2 and verse 4. We see this beautifully. This is what this is being brought out here. So we will feast on the hidden manna, each of us individually with his intimate love life towards us that would light us up and even in the midst of darkness. We see that in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. The night and the night and the day, the light and the darkness are both alike to him. And no question about it. He knows them. And then, then he's going to give us, in this sense, and this is again it's very symbolic. You see, what can we come up with in our human finite minds to try and understand the infinite, unbelievable mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16, who would ever be sufficient for it other than him? In 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 16, how would we know it? What do we look at? What are the things of value to us? Gold, silver, precious stones, diamonds. But that's what that exchange, that diamond there, and we can learn from the types there. He's going to give us a stone. A white stone there is not like the white like we think. The white is, it's glistening. It's like a diamond in a jewelry store with a, a black background. And the light goes on it and reflects the beauty of each cut in that stone where it was cut and polished. 
where it had to go through heat and pressure as a diamond in the earth and then be put in the hands of the skilled jeweler who would separate well over 60% of that particular stone, that diamond, would separate it and then begin to cut and polish it so it would reflect the light. This is what that's talking about there in our intimacy with him. And this is Revelations 21, 23 with Revelations 2 and verse 17. And it says, he's going to inscribe a name and names in the Bible describe nature and character. The nature and character of how God sees us in Job 36 and verse 7, he never removes his eye from the righteous. Why? He sees us in the center of his son. This is Deuteronomy 32 and verse 10. Zechariah 2 verse 8. This is Psalm 17 and verse 8. We are the apple, the little man of his eye. The little man of his eye. He never removes it. And oh boy, we will experience that exchange. He, he inscribes on us indelible character. In the indelible, unchangeable character. And this is 1 John 1, 7. And this is very convicting to me. Walk in the light. As he is in the light. And that's our, that's our character. Let your conduct, let your be, let your... Your behavior and my behavior be equal to the character of what cost God so much through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit for us to become, and we are, that character in our position. No wonder it says in Leviticus 11, 44 and 45, and, and 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, be holy. Be holy, because you can be, if you choose to be, for I am holy. And that brings that out in this incredible way in those verses. And we have so much to be thankful for. And of course the enemy, he hates this. He cannot stand it. does everything he can to stop it. Everything he can. And he'll do everything to ca he can to accuse us and to put faults on us and things that Jesus Christ has already dealt with as our precious lamb. I, I love those posts. I, I put those posts on there because I so deeply needed them. And God gave them to me. And, and he gave them to me. And he's given them to all of us. I'm no different than you. You're no different than me. We bring out in our own character, our own uniqueness, the beauty of Christ, and then we be a, uh, then we're a joint that supplies with the supply that we each have and our own intimacy with Christ. Again, that's Revelations two and verse seventeen. We have that white stone, and He inscribes a nature that only the one who gives it, Jesus Christ, and the one that received it, you and I, can know it in its fullness. So, of course, we will have fellowship with each other. But it will be based upon and only upon us as joints in, in an eternal way in Ephesians 4 and verse 16 that supplies to others. Because what are we? What is the gold, the silver, and the precious stones without the lamb who's the light thereof? And he's lighting up our path even now in Proverbs 4 and verse 18. 
and uh, when we fail and do it over again and when we fail and sin and do it over again. He's just waiting to be gracious in Isaiah 30 and verse 18. And he wants to light us up in Psalm 34 and verse 5. And he'll light us up. And you know what the light does? It does away and reveals there's no shame. He does away with it. He doesn't want us to experience shame when we don't walk in the equal. In Amos 3 and verse 3, can two walk together? except they be agreed. Oh, how God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son and the Holy Spirit have agreed in propitiation and substitution and reconciliation about who God has made us to be through his Son, who is the Lamb. And I needed those things. I didn't put them on there to be a teacher or anything. I put them on there as God was feeding me and giving me these and lifting me up. Lifting me up and showing me in Song of Solomon 4 and verse 7, you're all fair, my love. You're my beloved and there's no spot in you. So in Song of Solomon 4 and verse 8, this is where I want you to look. I want you to look from the top. And that's Colossians 3 and verse 2. Set your mind on things above. That's where we're headed, on things above, not on things of the earth, not that we don't know and can't learn what's going on in prophecy in Second Peter 1 and verse 19, but we have a more certain word. We have a more certain word. And, and we, because we have the day star and he constantly dawns in us. He constantly lights us up with what he's accomplished. And boy, we're going to sing. And he's preparing us. He's giving us songs in the night in Job 35 and verse 10, in Psalm 40, verses 2 and 3, in Psalm 77 and verse 6, and countless other places. He's giving us a new song. And that song, we won't be taught, listen, we will not be talking about other men. We will not be talking about apostles and and pastors. When we share the word, we won't be talking about more about our pastors than we do about Christ. There will only be one name that will be mentioned and that we will be singing around him. Seated on a throne in Revelations 5, 9 through 12, it's the Lamb. And that is why Paul said, I commend you in Acts 20 and verse 32. I commend you to God and the word, listen, the word is John 1, 1 and 2. The word of grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified, set apart and set into him. Yes, yes. No man's name will be mentioned. It's all the lamb. He never, ever commended the apostle Paul, given to us by Christ to teach us through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we follow Christ like Paul did. We don't follow Paul apart from Christ. We follow Christ like Paul did. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. We follow him. There's no other name. That's what it says in Isaiah 45 and verse 23 and Philippians 2, 9 through 11. There's no other name. 
in Acts 4.12 and 1 Timothy 2.5. There's no other name but his, period. 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 And each of us, each of us are going to be his little stars that are going to shine forever. Shine forever. So that's Revelations 2 and verse 17, Revelations 21 and verse 23. We, we, we won't have a need. We'll enjoy the, his creation. We will enjoy it, but nothing will ever satisfy us, our affections, our minds, and set us in, in, in complete freedom, as we will be in eternity, than the Lamb himself, who's the light. So, we have anyone have a, any, another question or, or a comment? That's why I love these that's why I love these questions. I'll tell you that right now. Because God the Holy Spirit is going to take the word, Christ, and show it unto us. Does anyone else have a, a, anything to share this morning? Any, anything about, that, about the, the word that God has given us? All of us this morning? Yeah, an epistle... You know, an epistle is, is okay, so are we writ his written epistles? That's Christ in us. That's bringing out Revelations 2 and verse 17. But, but the treatise, okay, the treatise, again, if we look up that word, treatise, and watch, watch what we do here, because I want to make sure we get this in the most, the most incredible way. And I'm going to read what a treatise is, and this is the 1828 Dictionary, Noah Webster. It is a tract. Watch this. It's a, a written composition on a particular subject in which the principles of it are discussed or explained. A treatise is of an in, indefinite length. <laughs> That's amazing. But it implies more form and method than an essay and less fullness of copiousness than a system. And so that's what the word treatise is. Treatise. Does that help? Okay. And here is epistle. Oh. Epistle. This is the word epistle. Okay. It's epistola, or in the Greek, it means to, it means to send or be sent. It is a writing, who's the word? Direction, who's our direction? Or one who was sent communicating intelligence, supernatural intelligence, to a distant person. It is a letter, a letter missive. It is rarely used in familiar conversation or writings, but chiefly in solemn or formal transactions. It is used particularly in speaking of the letters of the apostles. <laughs> Christ himself, the word, as the epistles of Paul through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and of other letters written by the ancients as the epistles of these certain men who explained history and we don't have to mention them. <laughs> Does that help? You see the difference, okay? So I would say it like this. This is the way that I, I, I would say it. I would say it like this. Okay, so we are all his written epistles. But he's still going to communicate to us the fullness of that life. And as he does flow through to others, that helps me. 
that helps me. So thank you for, the, again, and they mean that. Thank you for those questions, Mike and, and Jadiel, because then I can learn and grow in them. Does anyone else have a question or a comment? Anyone? All right, thank you, everyone. And thank you for being here as a portion from God for me. I want to thank you personally, each of you. And and uh, God bless and, and uh, thank you again. And we will talk again soon by the grace of God. Okay, thank you.